0: I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Minkado, run hip hop by the numbers on
1: Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture.
0: Can I direct to the fifth element, we highlight the fifth element hip hop's it's knowledge. It's the Feed!
1: Gonna go with this one. I was like, I, I don't think I can do the top boy intro. I think Charlie's gonna have to. <laughs> <laughs> Char, no, really? Really? Charlie's gonna take that one.
0: I want, I want to shout out the you know, where's the peas fam? Where's the food? So. Hey man, all the all the Americans uh keep doing it so you know, it's, yeah, it's ting
1: going. ting's a ting now,
0: yeah, yeah, get, it, get, it, get, it, get the tings, oh, yeah, no, yeah. Hi Ben, what food have you had?
1: <laughs> i tell you what. This week? I definitely ate this week because James Blake slow dive. And this is a good week. This is a great week. So I'd start off with James Blake playing Robots Into Heaven. This is a brilliant album. This is really special. Uh, back when he debuted in the, the early 2010s, he hit like an atom bomb, man. Everyone tried to copy him. Everyone tried to do exactly what he did. You cannot recreate James Blake. Even when he's, this album is in that same vein as, you know after hours the post malone album the beyonce album the drake album you know it's kind of like an edm focused album but it's freaking brilliant because you get these scattered vocals all across it and anyone who's trying to recreate what james blake does you just can't because of his vocals it's just like it's ethereal i don't know how he does it His his voice is iconic at this point like it's just it's not imitatable at all and this is a really good electronic album just in general in terms of electronic music this is it goes it's, it's a it's a journey it goes through all these different phases you're, you're dancing you're bopping sometimes you're contemplating existence it's it's not what i expected at all um i expected him to go a little bit more in the folk direction but he went in the electronic direction and I'm, I'm here for it i love electronic music so yeah shout out james blake magic 3 by nas this is the best magic in, this is the best in the entire series this is so good and i did not expect to like this and i've been criticized over it numerous times because i do not very much like the nas and hit boy series i felt like the first one was great and there was just a law of diminishing returns every single one was the same as the previous one and by kd3 or magic 2 or whatever the last one was i was like oh gosh are we still going so magic 3 to me nas sounds about as energetic and as hungry as he did in the late 90s like genuinely i don't think i've heard him sound it consistently across a whole project. I think there are definitely tracks that he drops on his projects, especially "Life Is Good." There are a couple. I thought "Cop Shot the Kid" on nasi uh, nasi 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 I thought that was great. I know Charlie didn't like that one, but I thought Nas's performance was good on that. And then you know, sporadically throughout this series, I felt like Nas felt invigorated and energized. This project, man, they did not want to go out with a whimper. This was not them fading off into the sunset and being like, "Oh, this this has been a nice series." They wanted to end it and be like, "No, this is." They wanted to stamp it, and it it fucking is, man. Hitboy is incredible on this. The way that he, I don't know, throws it back to the early two thousands, late nineties, but also keeps it relevant in today's. Oh, I don't know, man. It's just brilliant. So. I, I thought Nas was imperious on this, absolutely imperious. This is my favorite of the series. It might be my favorite Nas album since Streets Disciple, maybe. Even though I know people don't like Streets Disciple that much, I adore it. But yeah, man, I, I thought it was brilliant. So shout out Nas on that. Vic Mensa dropped Victor. I never listened to anyone who dismissed Vic Mensa as an artist because, yeah, he blew the fuck up. And for some reason or other, he was not able to capitalize on it. And now people dislike him. But I think he's one of the most diverse artists in hip-hop at the moment. And I think Victor is a great example because this has got Chance, Common, Rhapsody, D-Smoke. But it's also got Ty Dolla Sign, and Clemens, Mr. Hudson. But Vic, Vic Mensa he, he remains in the center of all these instrumentals that shift around him. And he's rapping, rapping on this. Like, seriously proper. The lyrical content is some of the deepest this year. I'm not going to go into it because it was just... It was fascinating to discover it in real time to sit there and listen and be like, oh wow He's he's really he's, he's rapping about some stuff on this. So I fully recommend that shout out Vic mentor Diddy the love album. This was brilliant too. I had a good week. I had a terrible week Charlie Let me see Charlie's face right now. Look, I I liked it a lot because I Don't know if it's diddy sound coming back into in, you know his 1990 sound because these beats don't sound that you know, you can tell that it sounds like Diddy produced them, or you know, Diddy whatever he does in terms of production. We've talked about that before. Maybe he was in the room while they were being produced and said, "Hey, this sounds like the beats you were producing me back in the '90s." So, but that's what I mean. It sounds like 1990s Diddy, but it doesn't sound. It doesn't sound like it's stuck in the past. It doesn't. It sounds relevant. It sounds exciting. And even Diddy hopping on these tracks, you know, you would think that you would hate it. But it's nostalgic to me. It reminds me of back in the 90s when Diddy would just wander onto these glitzy RB beats and just give these stilted, half-talked rap verses, which were horrible back in the day. But for some reason now I have some sort of nostalgic pull towards them. So I'm like, yeah, Diddy's on here. So look, I don't know, man. I know Diddy. We know we know how we feel about Diddy as a person and as a businessman, but you know, I enjoyed this. I thought this was a bop. Killy drop K3 brilliant i enjoyed it a lot um it was i was disappointed it was so short i had the city morgue album on afterwards which i'll talk about in a second but yeah i'm listening along and then all of a sudden i was working out and city morgue came on and i'm like oh man what there was like six songs on there i really wish it was longer There's some he says some wild shit on here really does it's, it's it's fascinating city morgue my bloody america um this is great when you're in the gym i was working out yesterday and it's just high energy rate it Z loopers Quasal bangers front to back highly recommend that as well and finally slow dive everything is alive You know slow dive are given a lot of credit for pushing shoegaze into a sound that became so important that it needed its own Genre and it's a genre that has always moved incredibly slowly as the music tends to do, you know, it's 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 not something that you listen to a slow a show shoegaze album in 2023 and you're like oh wow, this is way updated from 1991, they, they pretty much sound the same. But even though there's been thousands of shoegaze projects in the last 30 years, somehow Slow Dives, even though they created it and everyone has tried to imitate them over the years, they still sound different and unique. It feels like one of those times that you know the OG comes back and is still capable of destroying the competition even 30 years into their career, so... I enjoyed it immensely. I know a lot of people didn't like it that much, but um, no, nah, man, it was it's great. It, I wish it was longer, genuinely. So yeah, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Why is it called Shoot, gaze? Because uh, you're meant to be like looking down at your feet while you play. It's kind of like, it was like a thing, like when they were playing live, it was like an aesthetic where it's just this wall of like, elec- not electronic, guitar noise. And they're just like completely just standing on the stage, not jumping around, not going crazy, like low energy. So you're meant to be like, looking down at your feet while you play. It's a thing. Like, it makes sense if you've been to gigs like that. it It's kind of, yeah. All right. Okay. All
0: right. Well, just, you said it, and I've had that question in my head for, like, a couple of months, so you mentioned it, so I would say. Anyway, um, start off with Ahua, spelled E-H-U-A. Uh, female producer alert, just to say, um, with Cloud's little four-track EP. Comes through with these sick, just, like, just, uh, Breaking the rules, kind of break beats, um, and just like occasionally just throwing sand different in there, a little bit of electronic here, boom. Let me throw this in there, boom. Um, but yeah, it's a very, um, it's a very interesting uh, little little project. Um, so shout out to the uh, Victor- Heather Victoria. Uh, can't make this up. Um well, I mean you can't lose when Ninth Wonders. Uh, producing the beats for you, um, but yeah, we've got a little five-track EP. Um, I feel like it gets better as the as the songs go. Um, I, I'm not I'm not too into Heather when she goes like really slow, like on SOS. Um, but when she gets into I C M T U and also Toxic as well, which is the single, um, those two just hit nice, really good stuff there. So um, yeah, some some gems in there uh kazali uh, spelled k-h-a-z-a-l-i uh born for this um i feel like it's one of those it's one of those well this is a five track ep but it's one of those um artists where um you you listen to it and you're like this could chart you know what i mean like th- this is what i can imagine the charts having um you know so when you someone like steve Lacey, right um when I listened to, before you even blew up, I was listening to like, you know, I think it was like Apollo, I forgot the Roman numerals, but I think like Apollo 13 or 12 or something. And, you know, I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, I could see this, you know, popping off and, you know, lo and behold, uh what was it called, Gemini Baby drops and there you go. Um, but yeah, I listened to this and I get the same vibe, um, especially the title track, uh, did it for love as well. Really good stuff on here, um, really poppy, um, great vocal stacking. Solid all around. Um, Jalen Ngonda, spell N-G-O-N-D-A, uh, come around and love me. Um, in the same fashion that I really, really fucking enjoyed Lauren Vula's Pink Noise just because, well, partly because of the, you know, reinvention that she did for herself, but also because of the, uh, just the dedication to the 80s pastiche. And the sound that she was obviously making there and the foundations that she was living on. Jesus Christ, this album is so good. Like this is so classic Soul 70s. Oh my gosh. It's, it's you know what? It's like Leon Bridges when he did Coming Home. Like that album was fucking outstanding. Like the the throwback nature of it and and you know, Leon's done it for several albums now where he kinda just sits in a, a particular era and just makes uh, just makes an album out of it, and he does it so well. This, I forgot even how I even came across Jane Langonda, I think it was via IG, but fuck, man, this is, oh, this is so good, the sounds are so good, his voice is so nice and crisp, 70s soul just dripping off this album, and I fucking love it. Um, definitely on the shortlist um, on the album list for me. Soul uh, with Heaven, um, a very, 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 very mellow um, <laughs> album. This one is. Um, I said, I think I said for when she did when she dropped Mother, I think it's called. Um, that I can imagine just be like when you when you see her when you see that album cover uh, for Mother, where it's literally just her on a sofa with a kid on a uh, the kid on her chest. Um, I was like. We are that kid. <laughs> like, like we're just being sung to sleep in the best way. Her voice is silky. It's beautiful. And this one is just even, even just pumped up in in, in some ways because inflow, obviously on the production here, um, is just the the production is like minimal, but layered at the same time. But it's clearly just Cleo. You're here to listen to Cleo, and she is just front and center, and it's beautiful. So, um, yeah, can't. Never missed, never missed, never missed, uh, Clio Inflow Collab. Uh Corinne Bailey Ray. Black Rainbows. Um I saw a I saw a, um I think it was an article headline or something about this. Uh she did had a profile on her. And there was something along the lines of the the record label didn't want me to drop this, so I dropped it. Something like that, right? Um I haven't actually listened to Corinne Bailey Ray before. Um, like in terms of her album work, um, I've heard of her name you know, several times over the years, but I just never got that round to listen to her. And I feel like this is a major change. Even, you know, I'm taking a complete guess, but I feel like this is a complete major change for her because the sound, the sonics of this is just crazy. Like <laughs> it, just, it goes so many places. Um, it, it it can be really, me- really uh, meditative, really somber. But then you have like something like New York Transit Queen, where she's just going full, just like shouty rock track. It's it's, it's yeah, it's so fast paced and high energy. Um, but you know, and then it then it just mellows down again. It's just you just it's such a rollercoaster of sounds. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a really 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 fascinating to listen. Uh, e Jones of the Soul Council, Deadstock, Shock Drop. Uh, another great uh, beat tape, uh, forty-eight minutes uh, by the Soul Council. Um, always here for that. Love me some E Jones. Love his uh, love his style. Um, it's kind of just like uh, it's it, it clear that he kind of just has this um, uh, this affinity for Ninth Wonder. Um, that he just goes off the Ninth Wonder blueprint and also makes it his own. Like he has these. You know, it has the soul samples. He has this nice drum package going on throughout. Really solid. Um, But, you know, he he puts his own stamp on it, and uh, I respect it. So, yeah, shout out to E Jones. Uh, Lemfrek with spaces between every letter. Uh, Blood, Sweat, and Fears. Um, Really interesting uh, album here. Um, He's from Wales, actually, so big ups to him. I'm on that front. And, um, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't know it if you didn't say it. Um, because it has this just, uh, you know, gritty uh, UK rap uh, kind of thing going on. Um, but, but also there's something else there, and uh, I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting, he's got an interesting uh, sound to him, but there's some kind of funny ones like Death by Nyash with uh, Manga Saint Hilaire on here. Uh, but, yeah, and then there's like, kind of like vignettes, I guess, like Hennessy and Enemies. Um yeah, interesting album, very interesting album. And, it's a, and here on Tidal, anyway, it's split into three volumes, which is kind of interesting. Um, I couldn't quite understand the breaks in between those, but, um, you know, it's, it's cool, to, cool to have that uh, uh, designation regardless. Uh, Nars Magic 3, uh, last one, and uh, I think they went out, like you said, with a bang. Uh, I th- I feel like, for me, when it comes to not a Make this a, a Nas and Hit Boy retrospective, but um, I feel like overall for me, um, I kind of go into these. I I have been going into these albums, um, where, you know, the production's going to be solid. Nas is going to be, you know, just uh, flexing and talking about pretty similar stuff, right? But just give me that one track. Give me that one track, and all will be worthwhile. Like King Disease 2, I got uh, Nobody, Lauren Hill. um, And on this one, I got No Tears. I feel like No Tears should have been the last track on this album. It would have been perfect for me. Um, And like, you know, just string out the outro, put some orchestra on it on the end of that. That would have been... that. If No Tears was just made into that and put as the last track, that would have been proper end credits. Instead of literally him... Saying end credits and then just shouting everybody possible out, uh, which, as I've said when we did the Fuji's episode, um, not into that. Obviously, Fuji's did it on a absurd level of making it like 10 minutes long, but still not into that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I've got some solid ones here, but no tears. Oh, I love this theme as well. Good track. Um, uh, yeah, just, just some really good stuff on here, uh, but yeah, no tears. Definitely in the running for song uh, song uh, in my NDD song list. Um, just, uh, yeah, just really love that track. Uh, and lastly, Amalou, A-M-A-L-O-U. Uh, I Came Home Late. Um, this is one that has been gassed up to me uh, by Mickey for, like, weeks, and so I just thought, fuck it, why not? Um, and, uh, yeah, some good stuff here. Um, some really just uh, solid contemporary R&B. If you like your scissors, you like your Georgia Smiths, um, this is definitely one you should definitely spin. Um, very, uh, I think in my mind, great vocal stacking, um, and yeah, just kind of has this, um, uh, I'm trying to, trying to think of the, trying to think of a word for it. Um, but yeah, kind of just a really, uh, not even like monotone production. I can't, I, don't, I can't find the word for it, but the production's interesting, right? Um, but I feel like, you know, she, she, she's relatively consistent throughout, um, throughout it, and uh, the production kind of you know switches up uh, now and again to keep it fresh, but yeah, man, solid, album solid piece of work. And when I said we should get into uh, our 20th edition, 20th volume of DRTD bias. and for this one, it's a very special one because we're not doing music for this one. Um, this is the first time we're gonna do something other than music, I think, um, and actually cover a TV show. Um, so I put uh, did
1: I put you onto Top Boy a couple of years ago when it came out? Potentially. I, I can't remember exactly, but it's potentially that's the truth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, I may or may not have put Ben onto uh, Top Boy. And um, I remember Ben just uh, immediately just going, you know, Kano knows to go, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Um, and, you know, <laughs> and just enjoying it every time it drops, um, as do I. Obviously, um, part of the reason why we're doing this is because uh, this uh, the last season dropped last week or 2 weeks ago now um and the 12th anniversary will actually be on the 31st of october um so there's that too um but yeah we're going to talk about top Boy in as many from as many angles as possible um i already um, kind of dropped a spoiler-free review on the uh, 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 on the f- on the last season, and also done a review on the third season uh, when it came onto uh, Netflix uh, for the first time. And um, yeah, so I've you know I've plenty of force. Obviously, Ben has plenty of force um, to the point where he's actually written something, f- uh, written stuff for it. He said he wasn't going to do so, but he um, was going to. But he did
1: it anyway. Um, so yeah. Um, Where do you want to pick it? (laughs) Well, Charlie inspired me to write something on it because when I first ended the season, Charlie said to me, how did you feel about it? And I said, yeah, it was better than last season, but, like, wasn't that great? But I enjoyed it. I just said it was good. And then I read Charlie's review and Charlie's... Because, you know, I watch crap shows. Like, I'm used to terrible last seasons. Bro, I watched Ozark. I watched the final episode of Ozark. That was horrendous. I watched the final series of Game of Thrones three times. So my standards are very, very (laughs) low. But the thing I want, so, okay, the thing I wanted to start with, um, because I'm assuming that everyone out there, we're not gonna sit here and retell what the show is about. Like, if you wanna know what the show is about, just go find out for yourself. Go watch it yourself. And we're gonna sit here and tell you what it is. I'm gonna assume that you already have a basic level of knowledge about Top Boy. I just wanna dive right in because, the negative things I want to talk about, but I also want to talk about the positive things because one of the great things about the show and the first thing I want to talk about is the juxtapositions that are within the show throughout the entire, you know, throughout the five series right now. Yeah, five series. It's a bit convoluted because Summerhouse and season one, like I actually watched, I think the wrong, I started on the wrong season. I can't remember. Uh, something happened. I didn't start at Summer House or something. I completely screwed up and I had to go back in time. Yeah, got you all... probably
0: watched the Netflix one first and yeah. then went
1: back. Netflix told me that was the first one, and Netflix lied to me. Right, I know, right? I hate that. It's It's so annoying. So, you know, something that has always run throughout the show is the juxtapositions and what I loved about this one were the subtle ones between not just the characters but by mindsets and I think we saw far more comparisons of mindsets this season than ever before and I even think they upgraded the one that was prevalent in the first two seasons which was the realities of living in Summer House which are the emotions, the sense of community, the warmth, the banding together when conditions are harsh to help each other out and I think compared with the and Sully's total disregard for human emotion Exploiting Summer House to just further their own personal goals. And I think that that was a theme throughout the entire show that people who, like, I spoke to a friend about it yesterday, right? And we were talking about the way that they treated Summer House and how the show worked really hard to say, Deshane is not your hero. Deshane is not the person. He's not, you know, it's, this is not power, This is not an American show. We're not meant to romanticize the lead actor and be like, oh my God, Shane, let's, you know, you're meant to see he's a horrible person. What Sully's, what they're doing to their community is dragging it down and that's what I think the final season really honed in on the fact that and but they did it so overtly like Deshane would be like fuck Kieran when Kieran was in the back of that van and everyone's riding and everyone's like you know protesting and Deshaine's just like I don't give a shit about him you can't make me money so I'm not going to so I thought that they really uh you know they really worked hard to bring that to the fore and make sure that that was really overt um and you know I think that Yeah, by the final season, that divide was just absolutely never greater. And I think Mandy was a key force in that. And I think... To me, she was a great bridge between Deshane, Shelley, and Summerhouse because, as the season wore on and Summerhouse became more and more militant against the objectively racist and wrong actions of the police and immigration, I felt like Mandy became the true top boy in that sense because she was someone who was willing to break the law, but only in the pursuit of the well-being of her friends and family. And when she helped, you know, for example, she helped Shelley move that body, and you know. I think we saw both sides of her. And obviously what happened with Driz sped this process up quite a lot. And maybe the turning point was when she refused to take the money from Sully. But by the end, I felt like Mandy was the moral compass. I don't think the show necessarily needed one. uh, Because I think it did such a brilliant job of presenting as such an unvarnished truth. It'd have to be pretty dense or maybe just a Drake fan to still be rooting for DeShane and Sully by the end. You know, I don't think, I think you'd have to be pretty stupid to be disappointed that Sully was shot at the end of the show. Like, that was the fitting ending for me. And so, yeah, you know, I I thought that was interesting. I wonder how you feel about that, Charlie. Like, obviously, throughout the whole show, there's been the two storylines of Run concurrently, what's happening in Summer House and what's happening with DeShane and Sully. Um, But, yeah, I'm interested to see how you felt about that connection in the final season.
0: Um. I think it was fitting um, that the uh, that the protagonists in uh, Sully and Duchesne and the community at large um, was just as this as the seasons went on from one to five um, they were parting away every time. Um, really i think it was really focused on during the netflix series i think um you know maybe for like uh you know maybe it was kind of like lesser in the first two in the first two seasons on channel 4 um but definitely a focus pinpoint focus uh when it came to making that clear um in the uh, in the netflix uh, seasons um and it makes sense right then that's kind of the overall point I like to make when it comes to this show. A lot of the things that happen, I'm just like, yeah, makes sense in the overall sense. Like, you know, the finale, which um, some people um, day one were kind of irritated about. um, I was just like, well, what, what, what did you expect? (laughs) Like, like, what did you really think um, when you first started watching this show that these two would uh, ride into the sunset? Yeah. Uh, No right at, at minimum one of them was dying not a show um, like top and... boy at
1: least this is not fucking game of thrones yes. guys like this is gr- gritty reality type tv like this is serious
0: right so you know i i, I didn't I, I, I didn't mind the ending as a whole like i got it i was just like yeah that makes sense uh my mother kind of ruined it by starting to read the local fucking newspaper in the last 10 minutes so i'm just like what are you doing why are you talking about the paper when i'm trying to finish this uh series series we've been watching for <laughs> 9 on 12 years um but yeah it was uh, it was it was fitting um and on the community side i feel yeah uh the you know some people were responding to that you know emphasis and i think it was an emphasis like i said i feel the first two seasons while there was a community element obviously and uh you know covering uh, other people that you know were on the outskirts of the drug game the likes of Ronell um and uh, and his mother um Jem obviously and his dad um, in season 2 uh, yeah you know there there was there was those um but you know it wasn't focused on in the Netflix one it definitely was focused on and really emphasized and uh, and to and to the benefit I feel um I feel like it's it's good to have those uh, have those juxtapositions. I I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, there's some shows that don't do that, and um, it's not a it's not a it's not binary. Like you don't. I don't think if they didn't do that, it'd be the show would be shit. Um, but I feel like that emphasis um, during the Netflix seasons was definitely a big plus for the Netflix seasons, um, and uh, I feel like you know really was uh, a big benefit uh, to to that show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. Um, And, you know, I think that what you said about Deshane and Sully riding off into the sunset, I actually liked... I just liked the way they were written. I liked, you know, the comparisons between them. And I think it's probably the most fascinating one in the whole show. I think Sully to me was the best written character in the show, because I think his evolution and development throughout the series was actually really fascinating. I saw someone on Twitter say that he's a psychologist's dream, trying to unpack his motivations and his mental state would take decades. And his statement at the end, we're either monsters or we're food, and I won't ever be food. I think it can be retroactively applied to pretty much everything he did. He was supremely capable and confident, but the moments of human emotion show through, like the relationship with his daughter, what happened with his cousin, his attempts to take care of Mandy, his relationship with Jason, his sabbatical and the houseboat, and his decision right at the end not to kill Stefan. Because I feel wholeheartedly Sully could have handled that scenario. Like, you know, when he got back in the car, it showed that he had his weapon in his pocket with his hand on it pointed at, Stefan the entire time now you compare that to Deshane, who at the end of the series was just running around summer house with 25 kilos He'd stolen from his own brother. He didn't even hesitate to shoot and kill his own soldier Like he just immediately did it and just ran off and I did like that and in the end Sully did prevail, but he ultimately died himself pretty much the next day I think it was in terms of the the continuity of the show it might have even been that that next morning and I think you know, that's where my criticisms come in, but I'll leave that for a little bit later. And I also like the contrast between uh, Jack and Driz as well in the final season because both of them ended up betraying their employers, for lack of a better word. But the way DeShane made Sully take Driz's life on that rooftop was really dark. And Driz was thinking about his family as well, just as Jack was, although Driz's endgame was different. He picked the wrong side. Jack was trying something different. She was trying to get herself and everyone else out of the game. But I think that highlighted just how shaky Sully and DeShane's empire was. Sully had to kill... Kieran even though he didn't want to because the betrayal was a virus if it continued to spread you know they ruled by fear and the interactions I think between Aaron and Stefan around Sully were proof of this people were scared to even utter his name you know we knew Sully the entire time we'd seen all these different aspects of him I thought it was nice when Aaron and Stefan were kind of giving us the other side, how the people in the area, how the people in Summer House actually feel about Sully. Do you know what I mean? Rather than us just being like, oh, we love Sully because, you know, he has an emotional connection with Jason. So I, I enjoyed that a little bit. Um, and, you know, Jack, who was wholly capable of herself, had basically given up on life when she realized Sully would now be coming after her and there was no escape. And Driz felt that same inevitability. So I did quite a lot. Li- I, I like that. Um, and, yeah, I, I wonder how you feel about like Deshayne and Sully at the end, Charlie, like what your thoughts on that were.
0: Um not against criticisms about the show itself, um, but I feel that Deshayne by the end was just um it, it was just
1: it was just silly. Um, he had a lobotomy found, at some I point I in the this, series, like something I found, happened.
0: I found I found his whole that whole his whole just demeanour by the by the last season just the decision-making was just utterly stupid. Um, all of that build-up of him being so calculating, so, um, you know, vicious and manipulative, and then he's just, you know, desperate for the whole season. And it's just, you know, I get why... I, I can see what people can possibly get out of that, you know, out of the concept of desperation. When you're desperate, you do crazy shit. You do desperate shit, right? Um, but... It, it was just, I don't know. It just felt lazy, um, just to get to the end point, and to, yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't really, I didn't like, well, I didn't like Duchesne for from day one, to be honest. But, um, you know, it's, it's, just the, it wasn't, it was completely out of character. I feel the whole his whole, um, last season, it was just, uh, I don't, I don't feel that was written well, um, in terms of um, Sully overall and his arc. I don't know, right? I feel... I, he he did get better as the seasons went on. Um, but, you know, first season, he was clearly just like, you know, him and Deshane were that equal. At, at, but, but obviously, by the end of it, because he kept fucking up, um, Deshane was just like, you're under me now. Like, I own you now, right? And fucking right because he could he, hey man Duchesne could have had him dead like that's what that's that's the, that's the be all and end all but Duchesne saved him he and obviously you know in the manipula- manipulative ways of Duchesne he obviously took that and was like hmm I could actually just be the top boy on this front by doing this so I'm gonna win regardless um but he took the decision of instead of just having um I forgot dude's name um but uh 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 yeah, but just having him killed instead, and then having just Sully, you know, uh, you know, I saved your life, like get fucked, right? You you get fucking up. It's me now. I'm doing this. And then you know, second second season, um, most of that pre most of that season, bro, was just Sully trying to get money and then holding his cousin hostage. And I was just like, I was watching that back, and I was uh, I watched it back today, and I was just like. This was literally—he just it went back to square one. Was it was a like, bad season, yeah. Oh, that was that, that was just that was just so it was so cyclical for him personally. And I was just like, I was I was even getting frustrated. I was just like, well, that's that was kind of a wasted season on Sonny's part. You just kind of spent all that time fucking about trying to get money, robbing people. Um, having this crazy ass white dude that you know I've probably met before to be honest where he's just like always in the pub playing snooker and he's like yeah let's do it for fucking rainy clubs want to make some fucking real money and then he gets his head fucking clipped um uh, rightly so but um yeah you know I just I, I felt the but I I do feel there's a while well, I get what you mean in terms of having Sully's psychologist's dream and he's he does things he does things that are genuine, but he also does just the most heartless shit on the show, and that that dynamic is so just. Uh, it, it's it's really hard. I feel for me just to um, kind of wrap my head around it. Um, I feel, I, I feel, I'm happy that he did, that it wasn't a, a cop out of him just um, having any form of like religious complex because I feel like that would have just added a whole can of worms. Um, because you know, I feel like a lot of shows do that. There's like, oh, he's he, he you know, uh, am I a good man? Am I a bad man? Having all that, in don't, don't, please, don't have those conversations, please. Like, we, we, we know what's going on on that front. But um, yeah, I and I, don't know, I feel I feel kind of um on the fence about Sully as a whole. Um, I get it on your front of why you, why he's probably your favorite character, but um. I just just he, those first two seasons, he was just like I don't know if he, if you want to consider him underutilized, um, and then during the Netflix season, definitely utilized. Um, but I just I just found him just a bit silly um, of just yeah. Let me just uh, kill this dude, and uh, yeah, the kid did it. The kid did it. Like what the, what the fuck he doing? Like there's clearly bigger fish to fry, and you think this gem kid did it? Do you see how fucking dumb he looks? Like, don't be stupid. And Then they had to kill his dog, which I totally forgot about until I watched it again. I was like, "Oh fuck, they killed." Yeah, that the dog was day.
1: dark. Driz yeah, it's just that, dark, right? and you know, bro,
0: he just why are you kill the dog, man? Like, that's, I can't, like, come on, man. Don't that was, that. and then
1: that was a that was, was a rare yeah. thing where they kind of put that in just to be like, "Yeah, this is a bad thing." Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think they needed yeah, to
0: do it's just, that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, it was just, um, it was just shock. But um, uh, yeah, so you know, he does that, and then. Other things that are nice, right? Um, with um, I forgot the kid's name, the poor kid's name, um, but yeah, just backing him, backing him up all the time. I found that so weird during the second season. I was just like, uh, I guess he has some affinity for him, and I think it was because his he found some affinity between like you know his mum and and uh their, both of their mums and how they were just like on drugs. So I guess that was the affinity, um, but yeah. <laughs> apart from that particular strand, um, I just found that a bit odd uh, to have that as a relationship. But hey, man, it, it made for it made for good, um, solid TV, especially in the, um, especially in the um, the, uh, the 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 changeover from season two to season three, and then having him feature obviously um, when he gets out of jail, and then obviously unceremoniously so get burned alive um but you know i i liked i liked that dynamic um developed um i like i appreciate the fact that they actually developed it um to something somewhat meaningful to to sully um and then obviously bringing his uh uh i forgot what the white girl was um i, f- I think she was his white. niece right um his niece yeah that and uh, you know I, I i really enjoyed that side of things i that's why i enjoyed that season in particular Um, Because I appreciated Sully being the protector, and not just the, you know, uh, soulless mercenary that he kind of was most of the time. I appreciated the development in that, um, which was, I think, is very rare um, for characters of that nature. Um, So, yeah, Dushane Dushane can fuck off overall, I, I I just never... I find him uh, of an embodiment of a lot of bad things um, when it comes to um, <laughs> when it comes to community acting in the community and uh, being a leader in the community. And I feel like every decision he made was just uh, uh, a-, a as a whole um, was just very selfish and um, yeah. Just uh, I just hate the fuck out of him, but you know that's that's uh, that's why that's why I enjoyed it somewhat, I guess. So yeah
1: well i found that interesting because you know if we even look at deshane and sully in terms of emotion at the start of the show sully was always acting on emotion and he was making a lot of mistakes he was doing very silly things by the end of the show sully had mastered his emotion whereas Deshane was going in the opposite direction you know at the start of the show deshane was portrayed as someone who was fully in control of his emotion and he was regularly critical of sully and he used it to push sully further and further down he's like you're emotional you're fucking up you're making mistakes you're chaos by the end of the show, DeShane was just straight up emotional. He was straight up chaos and he was just fucking all over the place. And you know, I think Sully's final season makes a little bit more sense than DeShane's, but not by much, because I thought we were gonna get a decent understanding of his motivations to kill Jamie. But by the end of the season, I felt like they were even more blurry than they were at the end of last season. Because at first I thought he killed him because he didn't trust Jamie, which was an instinct we knew to be wholly correct because Jamie had a plan to remove DeShane. But again, You know, we don't know how that would have played out. Duchesne's not going to lie down, although he did in the final season. I'll get to that in a second. Um, Maybe Duchesne would have just been like, oh, oh no, okay, Jamie, just take my empire from me and I'll just... Anyway, I'll talk about that in a second. But it turns out that he did kill Jamie to muscle into Duchesne's spot for some reason. You know, I don't think it made a lot of sense because in the scene where Deshane said, um, or in, with Deshane, sorry, where Sully said, we're either monsters or we're food and I can never be food. He's very emotional having to kill his brother, of course. The person that he shared so much with but he didn't have to kill DeShane. He didn't have to kill Jamie. He was living on that houseboat, content. Well, maybe not content, but he was removed from the game. He chose to come back. He chose to kill Jamie. He chose to dethrone DeShane. He chose to insert himself at Top Boy. And I guess he never truly felt like he, he was Top Boy at any point or that he could be whilst DeShane was in the picture. And it's evidently something he aspired to far more than money and power because I think Sully lived for the thrill like that's all like i don't understand his motivate i wish they'd given more of his motivations at the end because you know as jack said to bex it's all that Jack ever knew, so maybe that's what what it is with Sully. It's all he ever knew. It's all he'd ever done in his entire life. You know, maybe that's why he tried to remove himself, but he wasn't capable. Um, you know, his statement to Stefan made little sense too. And I, I look, I think he said, you know, I don't feel anything anymore. He was crying a few minutes prior. I think it was something that he needed to say to Stefan to encourage him not to go down this path because you know i don't think it was a true statement honestly stefan i stopped feeling a long time ago we know as viewers that that's not the truth and so then you get all this confusion around sully like is he this soulless murderer or is he someone who because you know when he killed kieran it was almost like he didn't want to but i find that really confusing you're not there because you have to be there do you know what i mean like he killed kieran it, it was like he didn't want to he didn't want to kill DeShane. he knows this is part of the job he knows this is part of it he chose to come back and be the top boy. So why would he be emotional about those? This do you know what I mean? That that really confused me. I didn't really understand. Like, do you have any insight into what his motivations were in the final season? Because I'm still struggling to wrap my head around it. I, I, I think
0: put simply, it's just the fact that the all these people grew up in this world and it's kind of impossible to get out of it. Um, and because of that. You kind of just, uh, you kind of just go for what you know. I, f- I believe, right. Um, in the same way that you know, you quoted Jack saying that. Um, you know, same with dress as well. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it, they, it's just there. Like, yeah. what, what do you want them to do? Go get a nine to five? <laughs> like, like, go. They all skip school, right? <laughs> they, they didn't go to school, so you know, it's not that like they have GCSEs. Just chilling um didn't go to university or nothing like that so they just they were just on road for all their life so i don't really you know obviously just to was the most equipped to get out um obviously via you know uh snaky real estate um but by but you know still kind of some way of getting out um Sonny ain't gonna do that jack ain't gonna do that Driss wasn't gonna do that um you know they they lived by they most uh, well, uh, Sully and uh, Driss did anyway, living vicariously through their children and being fathers, and uh, you know, taking that responsibility on. But you know, it's it's not a uh, it's it's a matter of, um, I think of just that's what their world was, and they couldn't really think of, they couldn't believe they could be in a different world. Um, probably rightly so, <laughs> right. Um, I always find it a bit jarring watching some uh, watching some, some shows uh, or, or films where, you know, it's about like this person has gotten out of this and, you know, I'm never going to go back. And I, I'm just questioning, how did you even get the fuck out in the first place? Uh, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, uh, obviously, I feel like Sully was out of it because he kind of just had to. He had to lay low on that front, right, in terms of being on the boat. Um, and when he had his opportunity to get back in, he's like, well, you know, what else is there? Let's get back into it, right? Let's keep, let's keep it pushing. So, you know, I don't think it was a, I think it was more of a lack of motivation, um, and more of a, more of a, I think, overall point that, um, society tells you you're one thing and then you begin to believe it yourself. Um, so and And that's how and that's and they they took that they took that hook line and sinker, and uh you know obviously for the worse, and uh for the fact that you know they're just literally just in the same spot for the rest of for the rest of time and uh, not really doing much
1: else uh, apart from just this thing that uh you know a lot of people die over. Well they did talk about over the seasons, the Shane and Sully would have random snippets of conversation about getting out or what they were going to do or you know they reflected occasionally on what they'd been through together and you know I'm sure Sully at some point I can't remember direct quotes has said exactly what you said just then, you know this is all I've ever known, this is all I've I've been good at, this is all I'll ever be good at. So yeah, I think that that's I wish that they'd hammered that home a little bit more um, for idiots like me who was just like, well, what are their motivations? You know, but like I think that that was definitely an undertone and, you know, obviously then we get to Shane. Um, I don't know what happened to Shane last season. He was the master manipulator, someone who was literally never defeated. You know, if you were going to enjoy anything about Shane, it was the fact that they put him into some pretty wild situations and he managed to get himself out and, The interesting thing about his character was how is he gonna get himself out and how are they gonna make it look realistic enough that he managed to do it and we actually believe it. You know, he destroyed Sugar's organization almost single-handedly, he saved Sully. He was imperious and he refused to abdicate his throne for literally anyone or anything. He was willing to stoop to the lowest possible levels. He orchestrated Jamie's eventual arrest by using children so that he could manipulate him into becoming his under- number two. After Sully's disagreements, <laughs> he put children in harm's way repeatedly. He had no morals, no empathy, no human emotion other than anger and greed. That scene on the um, on the balcony where they're talking about Deshane's plan to get Jamie in prison, and Sully's like, "We don't, we don't do children." And Deshane's like, "Well, I do what I have to do." And it was just like this is this moral, <laughs> like quandary that Sully was in. So Sully killed Jamie. And then for some reason, DeShane just rolls over. Like after that scene in the bathroom, because I felt like the season was going to be billed as this like epic battle between, you know, Sully and DeShane. And it was going to be this huge fight to the death. And we did get a fight to the death in inverted commas, but it was absolutely stupid. I despise it when writers make characters do things that they would never do simply to further the plot. And I think in this case, It was just so, because they had the makings of a great chess match between DeShane and Sully. And you know DeShane was the greatest mind in the show and Sully was the most capable of carrying out whatever intricate plan DeShane figured out. When they were working together, they were unstoppable. So who would win that battle? Would DeShane outthink Sully or would Sully bludgeon DeShane into submission? And we got none of that, except for a few snippets of dialogue here and there. I think Sully asked DeShane at one point, if he was behind the stuff with the Irish, which Deshane replies, no, why would I fuck my own money up in the process? I don't even recall if Deshane asked Sully if he's behind the life and Lizzie thing because that's just another really dumb storyline that made so- no sense because why would Sully do that anyway? So instead of Deshane versus Sully, we get Deshane versus Lizzie and life. Like what the fuck? The entire ending came down to Deshane versus Lizzie and life because if he had not killed Jeffrey. In that totally uncharacteristic way, it's characteristic for him to fly into a rage. But like he would, he would all he—he's killed ten people in the show. I've—I found a you know thing that counts. How many? We've seen him kill people. He knows how to kill people. When I'm watching that scene, I'm just like. What are you doing? Why are you not cleaning up after yourself? This is definitely going to... This is totally out of character. And he would never have needed the money to escape to Turkey. He would never have robbed Sully. He would never have died. They never would have had their final showdown. It was this huge leap. And it was like he'd had lobotomy before the season, man. He just kept making... He became so meek. He became like... It was just totally... I don't understand what happened. I do not... I know that he was desperate. But like... That was just. I just thought it was silly. I don't know what happened to Shane, man. Did they have to make him stupid to kill him? Like, I don't get it.
0: Um, yeah. Well, I said this in. I said this in my. I think I said this in my review anyway. But yeah, um, it was just uh, when when I realized that uh, he left the body there, I was just like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> just, so you clean the countertops, and that's so it. Two seconds. on like it's just, oh, it's just the dumbest shit. It like, was so that, dumb. That's that's when that's when the season just fell off the cliff for me. I was just like, nah, nah. It's, mate, really was this what we're gonna do? We're just gonna have him do the dumbest shit ever. Um, but yeah, it just it didn't it didn't make sense um, on that front. And you know that's kind of the thing when it uh, when it when it comes to <sighs> overall critiques of the show. I I I now that I've um, seen the first two seasons again after years of not seeing it. Um I feel that the show is just uh I I think I had some like, I don't know, just uh nostalgia glasses on or something when talking about Top Boy Overall, especially when it came back. I was just like, Oh my days, they actually did it, they actually brought it back. Um, cause you know, like I like I've 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 said s- several times in several places, um when that show ended i was just like completely flabbergasted um to put in context um a lot of the uh, there was a lot of um there was a trend um in the uk um in film and tv uh where they were doing stuff like this the shows like topware where it was just you know covering um covering life in a very gritty way kind of like uh, urban quite quite right but you know covering black voices and voices of color in working class spaces um you know a- ashley walters was in one of the first of the first of that generation in uh, bullet boy and then you had um movies like Kidhood and adulthood um and there was more then there was lesser you know quality films like uh, 4321 or uh, or shank or Sket, or 28k um feel free to watch those if you want i mean i'm not, I'm not going to tell you they're good but you know it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know up to you um but you know top boy was the difference um and it it it, it elevated it um in 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 a lot of fashions i think because i've been exposed over the past 10 years to you know some of the highest quality tv that we've had ever um i feel i see i see top boy now in a little bit of a less bright light because at that point when i watched the first two seasons and it was only eight episodes total i was just like oh my gosh this is absolutely crazy and for the for the moment it was but now looking back at it and looking at the i se- and looking at even the Netflix seasons, there seemed to be just this um, chronic issue of just um, shoehorning I don't know shoehorning characters or shoehorning motivations just to just to get to the end point and it just really pissed me off as I was as I was watching everything back and I was just like, well why the fuck is the solicitor a fucking him? Um, and then after that one smashing, um, after that one night stand that they had is immediately putting him onto, oh, right. So you want him to be the, you know, the guy that, oh, oh, now he's thinking about real estate and yeah, all bring of a that to you know, the future. It was so lazy. I was just like, is this, is this what you really need to do? And because, and for one thing, she was a solicitor, solicitor making, I think, what, like, I forgot what she said, like 30K or forty k before tax. I was like, no, nah, I don't even know if that, even, is that was that even factually correct in twenty eleven. Like, <laughs> I need answers on that front. Another, I know the you know the, the wages of a solicitor, the salary of a solicitor, but still, and even that, um, a solicitor, um, just smashing her, her client. Pff, okay, fine. Um, shit, solicitor, but whatever. And then just inviting him to be on what she's doing do you not understand what he just do you not know the details of his case like do you did you seriously believe that he was innocent at that point it didn't make no fucking sense and then by the end of the by the end of that last episode she was just like oh i've realized i've come to my senses once michaela cole shout out to michaela cole once michaela cole was just like these two are demons oh the penny drops what the fuck are we doing? And it's the same shit. It comes through in the Netflix uh, fucking series, like. And and the overall point I want to get across here is that I feel like there was just not enough episodes. Yeah. To to give for any of the seasons, um, I feel like the first season needed two more episodes. I think the second season needed like two or three more. Um, I feel like. Uh, I'll give credit to the Netflix seasons. I think the for the third and fourth season were fine. Ten and eight episodes, respectively. I think that was they were evenly yeah. paced, and I think they were done very well. Um, the last one, absolute dog shit. Terrible. like Six episodes rushed to fucking hell. And one I want to get your opinion on, Ben, because you kind of mentioned it, is that connection between Stefan, I like how you say Stefan. Stefan. Um, Isn't like that I how be. I say it? Is it Stefan. Stefan, oh, well. Stefan I'm terrible, um, but with yeah, it's, it's funny how you said it. Uh, no, say it how you want to say Stephon. it. It's kind of funny. Um, but yes, the horn, um, very royal of you, but um, very British of you, it's the horn, very stiff upper lip. Um, but yeah, you know, Stefan and Erin, w- there was so much potential in that one one connection. That one connection had so much baggage that could have just been unloaded over several episodes. A nice slow burn could have just come through. And if he did kill Sully, I wouldn't have hated it, right? I wouldn't have hated it because if they did have that slow burn, we would have understood it a bit more. But there was only like maybe one scene where Erin actually explained that, Sully was the person where she literally explained it she she explained what happened in the last episode of season three by having um you know Driss in his glasses and he's kind of ill and you know he's done the snake shit and Kano's like well and Sully's like come on let's go and the kid is right and Erin's right there and it, oh, it, was, it was so it was there it was there it was there to be perfect callback all of that And it was just shoehorned in. I forgot what episode it was, but it was just shoehorned in while she was doing his hair. And I was just like, is that it? There could have been so much more. The motivations are there. It was so clear. But they did not have the time to explore it. And it really pissed me off, that one in particular. Um, And even having Erin, you know, in the first two seasons as well, I feel like, you know, there was the consistency of some of the characters um, was just, um, I feel like, and, and this is a overall issue of the show, which I don't know, I don't have a solution for overall. I don't really have a solution for, but there were some characters that I felt like um, were not there long enough. Um, but then there were some characters that were maybe overstaying their welcome. Um, and I don't know what the solutions are. You know, you could probably go character by character and just, you know, make a decision on that front. But you know, I, <laughs> I I felt like, you know, Erin should have, you know, just been explored more. Um she was there for all of the fucking seasons apart from five technically. Um, but uh, you know, it could have been done so much better. And that's kind of the disappointment I have with the last season overall. It's just the fact that it was given six episodes. I feel like that was way too low. Um and I don't know if it was either Ronan Bennett's decision or Netflix's decision. Um, but there was clearly just a strain and a constrainment to that season in particular but honestly that was the case for all of it from for for, well, for the majority of um, majority of the series um it was just not given a it was not given enough rope to actually explore and i'll give the first two seasons i guess some slack on that front because at that time it was a big risk um to have channel 4 but but then again channel 4 is ta- as a as a channel has famously taken a lot of risks um they did a they around that time they did um i'm sure i don't know how it would age these days but there was like a there was a there was like a three a three-tiered um show where they were covering some really graphic um you know subject matter to do with like the lgbt community um i forgot what it was called like one of them was called banana um one, and i think they were based on Something, uh, colors or fruit—I forget—but um, it was really, really overt and really uh, exploring actual, you know, genuine issues. Um, and they did that, I think, recently with another show. I forget the name, but you know, stuff like Utopia, going back in time for stuff like um, uh, for stuff like Desmonds, even for having a a sitcom about a a, a black barbershop family in the eighties. Fuck, man, that's a risk. That's a risk. BBC weren't going to do that. BBC ain't taking that shit up, so you know Channel Four has taken some risks over the years, and I feel like Top Boy may may have been at that time a risk, but but I don't feel you know in hindsight it definitely wasn't, and in hindsight it just wasn't given enough rope, and um, they they you know they tried their best on that front, and it makes that makes the last season even more depressing because I'm just like. Did you not learn from what you were given? You were given four episodes a a season for for the first two seasons, and you did what you could. They did the best they could on that front. I feel like they deserved more. Um, But then they were given six, and just no lessons were learned. Just Jack was doing shit out of the ordinary. Duchesne was doing shit out of the ordinary. They didn't explore any of the relationships that I felt like were so desperate, so ripe for development. And was just and was just there, and it's just a you know rush to rush to shit. Um, but yeah, that was, that was that was the that was the spoiler-free review in 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 podcast words. If you haven't read it,
1: well, I think there's a lot to unpack in there. I think firstly with regards to Stefan and and Aaron, obviously the, the shortened season. So the way that I felt about the first two seasons, because you know in their their shortness. I never felt like oh gosh this is too short because I didn't feel like the show tried to develop these really complicated intricate storylines. They were almost like snapshots of a couple of weeks or a couple of months and it's like okay yeah, you know it yeah. it wasn't like oh there's going to be an end game or everyone's going to die at the end or you know with game of thrones for example the entire way through the show I'm not trying to compare shows but I mean with most shows you go through the whole show knowing that there's a big ending. And they're just like, almost like they've written the ending and they're working backwards. With Top Boy, it almost, to me, it felt like, oh, this is just a couple of months in Summer House. This is just what's happening. When we got to the Netflix seasons, that's when I thought the storylines got a little bit more intricate. They got a little bit more expanded. They got a little bit more flashy, a little bit more Hollywood. And I think that that completely hamstrung them in the final season because they had two or three or four storylines to wrap up in such a short period of time. I mean, obviously they couldn't, they couldn't leave Stefan out, you know. They, we needed to see some. They left his brother out. They left Aaron out, which was madness. Oh, because
0: he, like, he, the actor for the actor for that actually spoke out on that by you know saying like I don't, I don't know if he didn't he said explicitly they didn't want to be in the last season or they just didn't put him in, but he basically said like on a pod that you know his character wasn't going anywhere, and he's right, his character wasn't going anywhere. His character true. felt his character filled the filled the need. Of being that third brother, that middle child, that you know wasn't about the wasn't about the road and actually you know getting into his education and all that stuff and you know doing the quote unquote right thing right. Um, th- there was no need for him in the last season because Jamie's dead. That that's that that was what the that's what the tension was supposed to be about. And if Jamie's not there, then what's the point of him being there?
1: Well, I think that's that's fair. But the criticism that I read was by that point he. Aged out of school, he was at university. He was working. He he graduated. He had a job. Oh, yeah. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Why is they, Stefan they... not living with him? Like that didn't make sense to me. Like I don't I don't get why he would need to go back to you know. But but you know I, I think that that meant that they had they had no time to do anything with Aaron's storyline because they had to do Stefan's storyline. They just had to. So. They brought, they, I feel like they were just like, oh, let's mash these two together and then we'll just have a scene that kind of explain. And that's what I felt like the whole season was. They're like, we have to get to this ending. Okay, let's find all the characters. Let's make them do one really dumb thing to get us to the end. Each gets to do one thing. So Lizzie and Lyth, for example. That is just the dumbest storyline ever. There's no way. Okay, firstly, Lizzie already robbed Jeffrey. Jeffrey, all the scenes of Jeffrey, so she's taken all Jeffrey's money. Does she need Duchesne's 16 million pounds? She knows Duchesne. She was kidnapped by Duchesne. She was terrorized by She Throughout no point in the series was Lizzie portrayed as someone who was capable of stealing from a hardened serial killer and then going on the run forever, especially with life. There was no understanding of her motivations whatsoever around that. That was just so silly. Then we get Jack. Jack would never do that. It's so silly. She like when I when I was watching that scene of her stealing the drugs. I was like, oh, this is fascinating because Jack has always been presented to us as a very capable person, someone who could definitely fill Sully's shoes. There are constant scenes even in the last season where they're like, Jack, we need you to come deal with this situation and she goes and deals with it in a way that you're like, oh wow, I didn't expect her to do that, but it makes perfect sense and that's a great way to deal with that situation. So when she's stealing the drugs, I'm like, this is going to be fascinating. She's going to have some incredible plan. This is going to be like, what is she going to do? How is she going to take the shame? and sully down she has no plan whatsoever for the first time in the entire show despite the fact that she clearly planned out stealing the drugs that wasn't an impulsive thing she had to drive all the way out to the house she had to mask up she had to put the gloves on she had to avoid the cameras she had to go down the side she had to be quiet at no point in that did she think you know what this might be a pretty bad idea sully's a very dangerous person Driz was killed by sully i know that why would i do this and then she's just goes back to bex and she's like we got to get out of here i just stole a bunch of drugs and i don't know what the fuck i'm doing it's like why did you do that and then she immediately went back to normal jack she went to the cafe she sat opposite sully she owned up to her mistake which is just typical jack you know that was who she was if she made a mistake she owned up to it she was honest she was earnest but like just there were these like and so that's why i think it was silly reducing this the the season so much because you can't do that, Netflix. You can't give them eight and ten episode seasons. The two prior seasons create all these quite intricate emotional storylines, and then go, "Oh, we're only giving you six at the end." So just wrap it up as quickly as you fucking can. What are you talking about? Like that was just so stu- and it was really disappointing. And you know, I-, I genuinely think they only needed a couple more episodes to make it more- make more sense. That all they needed to do was figure out a way to separate Deshane from his money that made sense. That he would suck. Cause you know, Sully at the end says to him, Why didn't you ask me for the money? And Deshane's like, I couldn't ask you for money. That makes sense to me. I mean, remember Deshane begged his brother for that money in like the second or th- whenever it was. And then Jamie just rinsed him, sat in front of him in the cafe, and is just like, You begged your own brother for money. Like, Where's the old Deshane? Like, who the fuck are you? So he was never going to beg for the money. You know, Deshane's desperation and the things he did after he killed Jeffrey, not including killing Jeffrey, they all made sense to me, but he needed a valid reason to be doing that. You know, Stefan's decision not to kill Sully, I thought was, I liked it because they'd spent the time developing Stefan. You know, they showed him trying to inhabit Jamie's persona. They showed him seeing how it felt. You know, he felt great that that scene at the you know the petrol station where he gets out with the baseball bat and he gets his chain back that you know and so that made sense for him to be in that position but then again I feel like he was the only one that actually had a decent storyline everyone else just kept making these huge leaps and doing just silly things in order to get to the end game so I think you're right you know I, I think the ending was just it was just, just way too short, man. Way, way, way too short. they never, ever going to tie up all those storylines in that amount of time. And I don't know if you want to wrap up with this, but um, I feel like if I
0: ever did, like, a, I don't know, like a like a podcast or like a book, just document in a TV series, like Lifespan, it would be this show. It's not my favourite show of all time, but it fascinates me so much because I don't know of a show that... (laughs) I said this also in my review, there's two ways that shows die a lot of the time in this climate. They either die of unceremonious cancelling, where like a season was really good, everyone enjoyed it, and they expect a new season, and then just nothing cancelled for no fucking reason. Um and then one's just sad about it and it, whatever right um and then there's the other one where they're given that last season but they're not given enough rope to actually really properly close the book um i think of shows like ballers which you know not oh, the best yeah. show to, 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 to name but i love i show. fucking enjoyed it i enjoyed exactly ball, baller show it's so good. Show. Like it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's rich as shit. It's the rock being the rock, and everyone's being like fucking cocky as shit. Um, shout out to Russell Brand who um, got recently uh, caught up on some uh, rape and sexual abuse charges over the past uh, uh, few decades. So um, shout out to you, Russell Brand. Um, but yeah, you know, ballers the last season i remember it so vivid in my head cuz i was just like is that it they they just it was so rushed it was just I was no the same. point it was literally no point when it, it ended was no it was like wait
1: what the fuck what what happened
0: no point it was literally no point in doing the season it was so it was Terrible. so bare bones it was just it was useless it was it was useless to it was dead on arrival right um not every show can be like stranger things right not every show can be game of thrones right where you know they were given the rope they just fucking fumbled like, that's just a straight-up fumble, right? Um, they were given everything. They were given the world. They were going to do another... They were going to do, like, um, a fucking confederacy show, Them t- uh, the two dudes who were doing it, and the, that got shouted down, thank fuck. Um, they, they were given... They, they were going give, to get given the keys, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they bottled the last couple of seasons, and everyone was just left with a bad taste in their mouth. I don't know of a show that was given both deaths in its lifespan. It makes no sense. And that's why I kind of feel bad in some ways, um because this show really, really could have been something. You know, people compared it to the wire, and I think that is just wholly just a wrong comparison to make. Um, the wire was given the rope, and that that was I mean, David Simon's just a goat like there's no there's no you, you can't you can't top that. Um, you know, the way he tells stories is so intricate. And with such detail, it's it's impossible, right? Even watch something like a mini series, like um, uh, we own this city, or uh, oh, what was the cop one? There was a cop one recently with uh, John Burnthorpe and uh, uh, uh Wimmy Masaku. So fucking good, and they were like six episodes each, or eight episodes each. But they were so within the within the within themselves. It was just oh, was just perfectly made as a limited series, right? And obviously these are series. Um, but the wire, totally different kettle of fish. Um, the comparison I was gonna make, and not in a good way, is Snowfall. I'm currently watching the last season of Snowfall, I'm like four episodes in of season six. Um if you haven't watched Snowfall Ben, I if if you want, honestly, that's probably the next thing you should watch because you'll get what I mean if you watch it and when a show is given rope to just explore and to just actually, you know, sink its teeth in, it 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 just bears fruit. The one thing I don't understand, if it was Netflix, and obviously Channel 4 did cancel the first two seasons, so, you know, fuck Channel 4 for that, but if Netflix really did this constriction and just go, like, here's six episodes, do what you can, and they clearly couldn't do it um, to the best of their ability, um, I don't get why companies do this, because people are just going to be left with a bad taste in their mouth, and they're not going to replay it. So why would you why would you why would you cut it off in in such a way or not even cut it off but or give it a death by a thousand cuts and have it bleed to death? Um, why would you have a show do that? I don't really get it because I'm I'm I I can't see myself watching Top Boy in the foreseeable future, partly because of that because I feel because I've I've been left with a bad taste in my mouth. I I. I know what I like about it. I I know what I don't like about it. And there's a not there's a lot to like. There's a, a lot not to like. It's a very polarizing show for me. Um, you know, I've taken off my nostalgia glasses finally after all these years, and I I, I just I just feel like there's there was a lot of potential for the show to be something like The Wire, but it wasn't going to be that. Um, nothing's like The Wire, obviously, and that's why I paid that comparison, but. It had an opportunity to be the best it can be, and I don't think it was ever given that opportunity at any point, apart from maybe um, seasons three and four. Um, And when it was, you know, when when it was up to its full potential, it really fucking worked because, you know, we got that death with, you know, the likes of Sully. We got Jack, you know, rising up, like, very slowly, and then obviously unceremoniously making her a dipshit at the end. Um, it was. They were so close, right, to that front, but there was there was just a lot of individual wins um, that they kind of squandered at points, and there was just a lot of things. Uh, shout out to shout out to um, home girl that got deported, and we just never got anything about that. Um, she just got straight deported, um, and I guess that you can just chalk that up to, you know, people have gotten deported. That's a real thing that's happened in the Windrush scandal. People have gotten deported. And they've died in countries that you know they may have been born in, but they were taken out of, and were, and some were even born here. You know, not to make this um, a current affairs pod, but you know, feel free to look up what the Windrush scandal is. It's a real thing. People have gotten deported even though they were born here. Um, and I get it. I get why you might you might have those L's, but it's kind of interesting how they do these things. And I feel like they tried to make make it up with. You know, the fact that Kieran was gonna get deployed and then they had the protest thingy. Um and, you know, cool, fine, whatever. Um, I'm here for it. And it it was it all came at the benefit of Mandy, which um, you know, I come back to, you know, when you said that the, uh, near the beginning um of the conversation. You know, she was a shining light in the in the whole in the whole series and the whole T V show. Shout out to Lisa, um, Sharon Duncan Brewster. I love Sharon Duncan Brewster as an actress. Um, she really took the first two seasons. I think um, for me, um, I really enjoyed her. You know, she was she came into the the show in hospital, <laughs> just going to hospital, and then Neil P- uh, Neil uh, Neil Pinnock Kinnock, I forget his uh, fucking. Nurse. I think it's Neil Pinnock. Uh, but yeah, having him just um, come through, you know, to take care of who was a total dipshit, by the way. Um, fuck Ranel, idiot. Um, I don't know why he just like got so pissed off about not being on the team. And then went to square up Benedict Wong. Um, and then proceeded to get clapped with a fucking soup can. Idiot. What the fuck are you doing? And then not take help from your mum? Dumbest shit ever. Jen was an idiot as well. Like, just clearly not about that life. But then, um, you know, whatever. Shout out to Letitia Wright, who did not appear in season two for whatever reason. These are just questions I want answered. I genuinely have questions about this show that I... I I need the answers to actually make my overall opinion on this, because I do. I want to know if Netflix just straight up just said, "Here's six episodes. Um, you said you wanted more, but go fuck yourself." Right? I feel like that's the answer, but I don't know that for sure. And that's kind of why why I meant when I said like I would love to do something where I just just have that free reign to just interview everyone and to just have that plethora of knowledge to actually give a genuine critique of this show because i feel like this show deserves that but there's so much there's so much decision making that was made behind the scenes that i'm so confused on but i don't really know who make that who made that decision and you know i i care about a show that you know has done has put in a genuine effort um into covering a certain sect of of uh of life in inner city london um fairly you know fairly faithfully um you know even though it was and, and some people obviously criticize it being written by one ronan bennett who is a middle-aged uh irish obviously white <laughs> irish dude right um <laughs> you know but you know, I feel like he wrote it pretty faithfully overall. And I don't—I didn't see Ashley Walters or Kane Robinson speaking up on that front. Um, so, you know, I'll take their word on that. Um, but, you know, I feel like a lot of it was done with good faith. And I appreciate the show for what it represents. Um, i You know, I have a lot of criticisms for it. But in the same way we criticise hip-hop during its 50th anniversary, in the same way we criticise, you know, certain artists for whatever... Is because we, you know, love what we talk about, you know, and I do love this show for what it represents, like I said, but there's so many critiques I want to put on it, but I don't feel equipped to do so because there's just a lot of, there's a lot of questions to it. Like, you know, there's a lot of whys and I don't have the answers to these whys and it leaves me, I think the overall word I come out of this show with is incomplete. It feels incomplete to me, um, as it pertains to my feelings towards it and the show itself. The show was definitely incomplete um, in a lot of ways. There was a lot of um, uh, storylines that just straight up weren't either finished or just poorly poorly done um, by the end. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you had more thoughts, but I just I don't know. We cracked an hour, and I just wanted to throw my overall thoughts on it. But well, look, I if feel- you have any more. No, I agree with you.
1: <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. The only two things I want to say is firstly, I just want to say I don't think it needed to, I don't think the characters needed to do such silly stuff. You know, if we look at, you want to get to Shane desperate, right? You want to get him into a position where he's making silly decisions, he's trying to subvert Sully. You can use the rivalry between Sully and him. You know, for example, when he was talking to Life about the $2.1 million for Shelly, because that's obviously where all his money woes began, because he wanted that money. And for some reason, life left with his money. All she had to do in that scene is, and she could, we could have had the emotional killing that he did with Jeffrey. All she had to do in a scene at some point was say to him, I invested your money and I lost it all. I fucked it up completely. Money's gone, I've, I put it in the wrong. So Deshane just kills life right there, done. That's your answer. But you don't have to go through all this, life took his money, Lizzie took his money, he's all this Jeffrey thing with his solicitor. And so then, now DeShane needs money. So now he tries to subvert Sully. He tries to take Sully's money. He's needing to take Sully's money. So maybe he brings Jack in. Maybe, you know, Jack doesn't know about their disagreements. So he starts converting Jack and then gets her to do some nasty stuff against Sully. You know, that ends up with Kieran questioning. Like, it could have gone in that direction. I feel like that could have easily happened. And then all this silly stuff that happened wouldn't need to happen. So I do think, and, and I say all that to say, I have a lot of experience with shows like Suits, for example, or House of Cards, or these shows that people go back to like ad nauseum on Netflix. They re-watch it over and over again because it's their comfort show. Netflix understands this. They, I feel like, and this is just my opinion, they didn't put the time or effort or energy into the final season because they knew they didn't have to. They knew that the vast majority of people would watch the show They'd be like, oh yeah, there's a couple of things that were a bit silly. But apart from that, the season was great. Because that's what most viewers are like. That's what I'm like. I watch garbage. I'm completely different when it comes to music uh, and and TV and movies. With music, I'm not going to listen to stuff that over and over again that I think, oh, this is kind of mid-tier. I, I really care about it. With with shows, I'm like, oh yeah, this was a comforting show at some point. So I'm just going to put it back on and re-watch it. I do that all the time with shows. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's happened with this final season Netflix have understood that yeah, we could spend more money We could put more time and effort and energy into it But that is not going to increase how much people watch it in perpetuity. It's literally not going to make a difference So why would we bother? I see it all the time in literally everything on social media and all content creators They're like, yeah, I could put the extra mile in but why would I bother? It's not gonna make any difference that extra 20% at the end is not going to give me an extra 20% in revenue or viewership or repeat viewers so I think it's really sad, you know, I think it's supremely sad that Netflix came in, even with all the money they have, they're fully capable of giving this what it deserved, giving it the 10 episodes or the 8 episodes or making the episodes longer, allowing these storylines to develop without characters, having to make huge leaps in logic to get to the end. They could have done that, but it's just like everything else, man, they're like, yeah, we could, but what's the point? Everyone's going to rewatch it anyway, it makes no difference, so... That's the sad thing and that's when you allow you know multinational multi-billion dollar corporations you know have control about the artistic direction of things it is never going to work It's the same with major labels you know where their budgets in music and and albums are like no you can't spend a million dollars you can only spend five hundred thousand dollars which means that the album's not as good as it could be. No, you can't. We're not going to give you $10 million for the show. We're only going to give you $4 million. That means that the show's not going to be as good as it could be. Like, it's just the way it is. And, you know, it doesn't affect me that much because I'm so used to it. But if I really chip away at it and think about how I feel about it, yeah, it pisses me off a lot because the first two seasons were fucking incredible and they were totally different. It was like nothing I'd seen in maybe ever on TV. I was like, this is way different. They know they don't give a fuck. They are not trying to entertain me right now. They're trying to teach me or they're trying to just present a story that's very brutal, very like raw, very difficult to watch. And I never felt coddled or I never felt pushed along or I never felt hugged. No one ever, you know, and I feel that all the time with shows where they do something wild and then they try and calm you down a little bit. They do something like, you know, the shock stuff. I thought the only thing in that show was when the dog was killed. I thought that that was but again at the start but again that that showed how unscrupulous drez was i felt like that was a, a, a step to be like oh okay they are willing to do anything they are willing to you know go really against any kind of moral code so yeah i just think that they it lost that quality when it went to netflix and it became more about explosions and deaths and chases and you know i'm i know that they weren't in the show but you know what i mean that kind of show felt like i was watching an action movie at times and i never felt that in the first two seasons and in the final season that's exactly what it felt like it felt like an action movie and i think that that would have fit i do but not the way they did it not the way they did it i think Deshane's death was fitting um sully's death was definitely fitting you know i thought that that was a brilliant ending you know apart from all the problems in the season that was probably the best part. Sully's just sitting in his car after he's spared Stefan's Stefan's life, and this you know random person just comes by and shoots him in the head. We have no idea who he is. We have or she. I thought it was Bex at first. I don't know why I thought it was Bex. It just looked a bit taller. The person looked a bit. Someone said it was Jack, and I'm like, I don't think it was Jack. Jack's quite short. It just looked. But who? It could have. That's the thing. And it's not meant to be debated. I've seen a lot of people trying to debate it, but there's nothing, there's not enough information for us to go off and, you know, for a point. So I think that that was good. I thought Shelly's final season was good. I think she really came into her own no, as a killer. No, you didn't like Shelly? No, no.
0: I I I felt like she just re- regressed to, uh, again, and this is, and she. And you know, she suffered from the constriction of just like, yeah, you know, I wanna, I wanna expand. Oh, I don't have the money. i oh, right. I should dump you, Deshane, because, duh. Like, no, <laughs> and th-
1: but Deshane. No, Deshane rinsed her, bro. No, Deshane went the fucking didn't make nuclear. Sense to, me, to be honest, if the she stayed with Deshane after that, I would have been like, that was progression to me. That was her recognizing, oh, you, all you care about is power and money. You don't give a shit about me. You're not in love with me. Yeah, How but could this you is the be?
0: thing, like, I f- this. Uh, I, and, you know, I feel like there's other shows that do this probably as well, but like, you know, I he's clearly like that from day dot, and yeah. you know, he, he still fucked with him all that time, and now that he's getting, you know, obviously, you know, fucking schizophrenic about everything, then yeah, obviously, bin him, but... There was so many points where she could have binned him anyway. That's fair. I, I questioned the ho- I questioned the whole love interest overall. To be Same. honest, I questioned. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, you know, I love Little Sims. Uh, you know, everyone knows this, but I just questioned her. I just her character um, involvement at all as a as a thematic tool to have. Like you know, oh Deshane's part of Deshane's coming. Uh, you know, getting out of the game arc. Um, I just didn't find it convincing for the majority of the time and even the last season especially it was just like oh so, <laughs> so you know she he he's not comfortable clearly and now you're gonna dip I just, I just I don't know it's just uh I guess she was initially thinking that you know I can do this I can be that person to get hit to help him get out um but can't be saving these men, man. Can't, like, you know, th- home girls. don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. Don't be, I can save him, please. Don't be, I, I can save him, girl. Don't do that because you're, you're just going to get burned by the end of it.
1: I felt it was more like Shelly thought that, yeah, as you said, I think she thought she could handle it, but then the realities of it were just too, I mean, Shane just didn't exist in that final season. He She didn't even know
0: what he did. She didn't even know what he did. In the last season, it was just because he was not talking
1: to her. Well, she didn't know exactly what he did. I think she knew. She said to him, "I know what you do. I know some of the things you do." I don't think she knew exactly what he did. There you go.
0: So just I I questioned, I questioned it all the time. To be honest,
1: well, I enjoyed it because I I was like, finally, she left him. That's that's the part I enjoyed. I think, and I think she was way more animated this season. I think I feel like we got way more of, I don't know, just her acting ability, Lewis Sims' acting ability at least. Um, you know, look, I, as I said, I, I just think that they went for, they didn't care. They didn't care about quality in the end. And it, it's really sad because they really had something special and it then became something different. And so, you know, from all the Netflix seasons and on, I just started being like, oh, this is a different show. It has a different perspective. It's in a different. It's going in a different direction. They're trying to do something different rather than the first two seasons i just which was disappointing but i was also thankful the show came back so you kind of like stuck in a middle ground between like i'm glad that the show came back but you fucked it up so what are we going to do here you know
0: yeah the um the 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 kitchen sink element of um of the first two seasons by the way people that don't know what kitchen sink means. Um, is basically a class of films uh, back in the '60s uh, where there was like these working class British films and, um, yeah, just cu- start just up kitchen sink dramas. I'll, I'll do it now if you like. But, um, stuff like Alfie with Michael Caine, for example. Um, don't know why I'm saying that as if everybody's seen that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, just like very um rugged, very. I guess realistic, but you know, uh, melancholic, um, kind of, uh, kind of, uh, attitude towards everything, you know, very, very unceremonious in, in, in what happens. Um, that kind of, that kind of thing, right. It had that, it had that during the first two seasons. And like you said, um, they obviously binned it to make it more Netflix, more Hollywood and, you know, for there there's some elements where I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh, kitchen Sink dramas, British culture movement developed in the nineteen fifties, early sixties. In theatre, art, novels, film, da da da. Protagonists usually were described as angry angry young men who were disillusioned with modern society. There you go. So this was basically modern kitchen sink. Um and it, I really loved that. I really loved the fact that they did that. And it really it really set it apart from the kiddo hoods and adult hoods and the four three two ones and the skets and the skanks and the twenty eight ks. It really set itself apart, and obviously being a TV show as well. Um, but yeah, they, they they changed up the theme, um, you know. And I guess it it's again good in some ways, but but yeah, there, there was a there was a sauce. You you you, you changed the recipe. You know what I mean? Like you you it. it, it it kinda tastes like Coke, right? And I don't mind it. Um, but you know, I'm still into like the old Coke as well, so eh, you know what I mean? So it's uh, I don't know man. But yeah, like I said, I I would I would love to just like have just free reign to just like really dig down to actually how this show actually came about and you know, how it got revived and what were the par- parameters for doing so, um, were they given? Was Ronan Bennett given that free reign to actually, you know, um, to actually keep it what it was, or did he have to, you know, Hollywood it up a bit? Um, I would. I. I just have a lot of
1: questions um, overall. But yeah, man. We know why it got revived. The boy. Don't start. six god.
0: Six god. Yeah, god. You had to yeah to yeah to yeah to, to, to when the whole show. Without doing it, and then you had to, you know, try and try and well. Yeah, for up. a
1: lighter note, let's talk about music. That new Drake song is really freaking horrible, and I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to give it a review. If you don't understand why it's horrible, ask someone above the age of 21. They'll explain <laughs> to you why it's horrible. I promise you. Just to, or someone with the, the psychological age uh, above I 21. Because I if you're know, in your thirties or forties.
0: There's some people in their 30s and 40s that are probably still fuck with shit. Oh,
1: That's okay. Energy, I'm just like, you have arrested development. You have, you have not, not progressed. The like, you are yeah. still a child at that point. But I want to do something positive about music. So I don't know if I ever told people on this pod that I was doing my little uh, cassette thing where I was like, you know, discovering female rap albums from the 80s and 90s and buying them on cassette. So I bought this, Oaktown's 357. It's called Wild and Loose. I think it came out like 91. Right, I had no idea about who Oaktown 357s were. They are MC Hammer's girl hip-hop group. Never heard of before, but this album is freaking amazing. On cassette, it's unbelievable. So if you've never listened to Oaktown 357, go check it out. That's my that's my lighter note. Incredible album, <laughs> underrated. Outstanding. All right, fair
0: enough. Um, I have nothing. Um, I'm I'm all I'm all. I'm all pooped out from talking top boy, so we'll finish there okay uh, ladies and gentlemen from the 5th End Podcast Network it's been Digging Digits I hope you enjoyed this episode I'm Charlie child of the 5th End and then kind of flip on numbers go watch Snowfall uh, and hope you all have a good week we should always try to do the same but until the next time take it easy ladies and gentlemen alright peace, peace. The in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for the show, space and video games by bonus points thanks to Chill Music for the ability to use. Socials for development will by numbers, bonus points and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 in production. Thanks for spending time with us and we shall see you next time on Digging in, in.